0: us to do that in our lives and through our actions. Lord, we continue to listen for your spirit now as we turn to your word uh, with Pastor Todd. Thank you, God. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You guys can have a seat this morning. All right. Well, good morning, Chapel family. It's good to get to worship together with you guys. I've been looking forward to this morning. We've been in the midst of a series uh, over these last weeks uh, that we've entitled The Good Life, and we're really kind of tracking with Jesus and how he redefines what the good life really looks like. And I don't know what, what the good life looks like to you, right? Maybe, maybe it's a Labor Day weekend, that's the good life, being together with family and friends and cooking out, grilling out. Maybe it's a being on a, a, a tropical location, like that's the good life, that's my picture of the good life, or maybe it's fishing all day on the lake, or maybe it's being in a tree stand somewhere hunting, guys, or or maybe for students it's uh, having the latest technology or the having the most followers on that technology. I don't know what the good life looks like to you. Maybe it's maybe it's just having a happy marriage, like a, a marriage that lasts, or maybe it's just getting married, or maybe it's just getting a date. Right? I mean, I don't know where you're at and what the good life looks like to you, or maybe it's just, man, it's just having everybody together, just around the Thanksgiving or Christmas table, you know? Uh, all of those pictures of the good life are, are good things. I don't think any of, of us would argue with them. But I want to pose a question this morning, and that is, what about when the good life doesn't feel so good? I mean, All of us in this room, we've lived enough life that even when maybe we've tried to follow Jesus, you know, in the Beatitudes that we've been looking at, Jesus talks about being poor in spirit and living in a humble, merciful way or hungering and thirsting after righteousness. And for those of us in the room that have been trying to follow Jesus and maybe live out that kind of good life, we realize it doesn't always work out great, does it? Life isn't always easy. Sometimes the good life doesn't feel so good. So the question is, what do we do when that's the case? Of all the characters in the Bible, one of my favorites, and maybe one that can understand when the good life doesn't feel good, is a, is a character from the Old Testament. His name is Joseph Joseph. We find his uh, story in the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, beginning in chapter 37, and it tracks through several chapters of the Bible, and we won't have time to look at every verse, but we're going to have to buckle in because I'm going to try to walk us through some of the high points and low points of Joseph's story. And even if you're a Christ follower and you know the story of Joseph, I just want to challenge us to look at it again through a new lens. To look at Joseph's life through the lens of the Beatitudes as he was seeking to live what Jesus identified as the good life, but how it always didn't feel so good. So Joseph was uh, the second youngest of 12 brothers born to his father Jacob, also known as Israel, in the Old Testament. Uh, He had one sister, and pretty quickly... Jo- Joseph uh was picked out as the favorite by his father which caused some other problems. In fact, we know he was his favorite because uh there's a story in Genesis where the father, Jacob gives his son a special coat that nobody else got. Which I don't think it was great parenting wisdom there because it automatically kind of separated him out and the brothers started to resent this. Not only that, Uh, Not only was he the favorite, but he was kind of a tattletale. And then uh, Joseph had this uh, ability to interpret dreams. And one night he had a dream, and the way that he interpreted it for himself was that his father, his mother, and all of his siblings were one day going to bow down before him. Now that's quite a dream. I'm not sure that's the kind of dream you want to share with your big brothers, but that's what he did. He told his brothers about his dream and they're like, "Are you serious? Little man, Joey, like you think someday we're going to bow down to you?" And 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 they didn't they didn't they didn't like that. And they thought he was being prideful. And it went even deeper. His brothers really started to resent him and to be bitter towards him. And one day when his father told him to go check on all of his other brothers, as they were out watching sheep, we jump into the story. Genesis 37, verse 18. And when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance as he approached, and they made a plan to kill him. Obviously, Joseph was his father's favorite, but he was the least favorite to all of his siblings. And they come up with this plan to, to take him out. <laughs> now, one of the brothers was a little bit more grace-filled and said, well, let's, you know, let's not kill him. Throw him in a well. Throw him in the well. Just let, let whatever happens, happens, you know? And so that's what they did. They threw him in a well. But then as they were sitting around thinking about life, and Joseph is down there at the bottom of the well, I'm sure thinking, oh, yeah, this is really the good life. <laughs> My brothers have betrayed me. My brothers are, are getting rid of me. Well, then a group of traders came by, and one of the brothers had this thought, well, let's just not leave him in the well. Let's, hey, let's, let's see if we can really get rid of him. Let's, and let's make some money off of him. Let's sell him as a slave to this group traveling by. Genesis 37 verse 28. So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and they sold him to, the, to them for 20 pieces of of silver, and the traders took him to Egypt. Can you imagine this being your life? <laughs> he, he's thrown into a well, he's sold into slavery now, and all by his family that's supposed to love him, that's supposed to be there for him. Can you imagine what Joseph is feeling? He And he's living out, truly, One of Jesus' beatitudes, a pathway to the good life. Jesus said, God blesses those who mourn. (laughs) And I'm sure Joseph is mourning. Like, is this really going to be my life? And he's mourning over the, the sins of his family. And then his brothers have betrayed him, pretty much left him for dead, sold him off. And yet Jesus said, God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And even in this, as Joseph is sold off to a a, a slave owner named Potiphar, God blesses him. And this next phrase is going to become very, very significant in Joseph's story. It says, but the Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. The Lord was with Joseph. Joseph, what I'd like to suggest today is that even when the good life doesn't feel good, maybe, maybe the good life is recognizing that God is with you even when life doesn't feel good. And that was the case for Joseph. God was with him. In fact, look at at the text again. Uh, It it says that the, the Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded And then it says, Potiphar, the slave owner, noticed this, and he realized that the Lord was with Joseph. Potiphar takes note. You see, that's the thing about living the good life, truly the good life, when we're trying to be faithful to God and follow His ways, even when it doesn't turn out so well, when we're living the good life according to Jesus, other people notice. And Potiphar noticed it, and he sees God's hand, God's presence with Joseph, Go forward to to verse 4. It says, This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. And he put him in charge of his entire household and everything that he owned. Joseph, even though he's been betrayed by his brothers, is now being elevated to a place of significance. And he's in this prison. Yes, he's, he's 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 a slave. But he's in charge of the other slaves now. It says, From the day that Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for the sake of Joseph. All of his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crops and livestock, they flourished. Now here's another life lessons about really living the good life, and that is that when we live the good life, it's not just good for us. It's good for everybody else around us. And Potiphar's whole household was benefiting because Joseph was seeking to honor God, and even though it didn't feel so good, life was good for Potiphar as a result of Joseph being there. It leads me to another part of Joseph's story. He's in the house with, with Potiphar and taking care of all of his slaves, taking care of his whole household. He was a hard worker. In fact, the Bible says that Joseph was hardworking and handsome. And this caused some of the ladies to start to take notice. The problem was, one of the ladies that took notice of Joseph was Potiphar's wife. So much so, she was attracted to Joseph and she kept trying to woo him to herself. Day in and day out, she would invite him to come meet. You know what I'm saying? But Joseph was a faithful, righteous man. And here we see him living out another one of the Beatitudes. Jesus said, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Not hunger and thirst to have their own physical needs met but hunger and thirst for righteousness, for doing the right thing. And so Joseph continues to refuse Potiphar's wife's pursuit of him until one day she kind of catches him and puts the moves on him. But what does Joseph do? Remember, he's hungering and thirsting for righteousness. He's truly seeking to live the good, the godly life, And so he takes off running, and yet she grabs an article of his clothing, and then when people come in, she screams, and she says, Oh, that guy, Joseph, he tried to have his way with me. Here Joseph is trying to do the right thing, avoiding temptation, not taking advantage of this woman, Potiphar's uh, wife. And what does he get for it? Potiphar throws him in jail. He's falsely accused. So once he's a slave, now he's in prison. <laughs> and I'm sure Joseph is thinking, are you kidding me? This is what I get for trying to live the good life? This doesn't feel so good. <laughs> but again, the Lord was with Joseph in the prison because the good life perhaps is recognizing that god is with us even when life doesn't feel so good the lord was with joseph in the prison and he showed him his faithful love and the lord made joseph a favorite with the prison warden and it says before long the warden put joseph In charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. You can't keep a good man down. Joseph continues to be faithful to God, to live the good, righteous life. And though things kind of go up and down, God continues to elevate Joseph and give him opportunities. In verse 23 it says, the warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. Remember, when we live the good life, it's not just good for us, it's good for everybody. And it says the Lord was with him and he caused everything he did to succeed. Now, we, we at this point in the story, Joseph is, is gaining a reputation amongst the, other, amongst the other prisoners that he's guiding and taking care of. And uh, some of the prisoners find out that Joseph has this uncanny ability to interpret dreams. And two of the prisoners had dreams, and and they couldn't figure out what it meant. And so they go to Joseph and say, hey, can you tell us what our dreams meant? And so Joseph gives them an interpretation. And all he asks is, hey, I've given you the meaning of your dreams, but I want you to remember me. If you get out of here before me, remember me speak on my behalf maybe i can get out of here as well so just remember me and you know what remember that him they did 2 years later <laughs> 2 years after these two other crooks get out one of them his end is terrible he's he dies he's killed the other one is now before the pharaoh of the land and pharaoh has a dream and pharaoh's bringing in people to tell him what his dreams Mean, and nobody can find the meaning to this particular dream that the Pharaoh had. And on this day, this crook that Joseph had interpreted a dream for says, Wait a second, I remember a guy. (laughs) And he tells Pharaoh about Joseph. And so the Pharaoh has Joseph brought before him, and he incites him to give the meaning of his dream. It says, Then the Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night, and no one here can tell me what it means. But I have heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. Now, I'm sure at this moment, Joseph is like, wow, this is my chance. I'm going to get out of here. It's an opportunity for him to be like, I got this, Pharaoh. I'm your guy. It's It's an opportunity for him to point the limelight on himself and to say, I've got you covered, Pharaoh. I'm your guy. But remember, Joseph is seeking to live the good life, the good life even according to Jesus. And do you remember what Jesus said in the Beatitudes? God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. And Joseph was living in humility. And as the Pharaoh, the highest in the land, comes before him and says, can you tell me what my dream means? I mean, if I'm Joseph, I'd be like, yep, I got you. But look at his response. He says, it is beyond my power to do this. But God can tell you what it means. He takes this moment not to point the spotlight on himself. In fact, in humility, he says, no, you don't understand, Pharaoh i don't I mean I can't do this, but God can and he points the spotlight back on the on the God of the Old Testament, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and his father Jacob, and he says, God is able to give you an interpretation, and so Joseph goes on to interpret the Pharaoh's dream. Now the dream included uh, these these uh, calves, these these cows that were fat and huge and then these other cows that were skinny and gaunt and joseph said the meaning of your dream is that there's going to be seven years of plenty and the cows are going to get fat and so are all the people and you're going to have plenty much harvest but then there's going to be seven years that follow that of great famine and drought and so joseph said if you were wise pharaoh in those seven years of plenty and harvesting, you, you, would, you would store some, some up to take care of your people. And Egypt will become a powerful leader of the land. And even people from other places will come to Egypt to find food when they're in the midst of this famine. Well, Genesis 41 says And Joseph's suggestions were well received by the Pharaoh and his officials. And so Pharaoh asked his officials can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? <laughs> See, people notice when we're seeking to live the truly good life of honoring Christ. It says, Then the Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or as wise as you are. And so... You, Joseph, you'll be in charge. You'll be in charge of my court, and all of my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on the throne, will have a rank higher than yours. Can you imagine Joseph's journey? I mean, it is up and down and up and down. And there were moments where I know he was feeling like, are you kidding me? This cannot be the good life but God was with him again and again and again now fast forward to the great famine 7 years of plenty have passed and it's 2 or 3 years in to now a fa- a time of great drought a great famine people are desperate but Egypt has plenty because the pharaoh took the wisdom of God through Joseph's lips when he interpreted the dream, and they've set food aside. And, and people are coming from everywhere to Egypt. Egypt. Egypt is living it. Egypt has it all. And They can sell food and goods to people, and they can sell it at a high price because people are absolutely desperate. And who comes along in search of food but Joseph's brothers. Dun, dun, dun. I mean, can you imagine? And Joseph is in charge of everything, and Joseph sees his brothers in the food line, and he says to his, one of his attendants, hey, go get those guys. See, Joseph, he recognized his brothers, but it had been so many years, and his brothers thought, who knows what's happened to our brother by now. They didn't recognize him. And Joseph goes back and forth, and he, he puts them through a, a couple different scenarios that, man, they're, they're living on the edge, but they don't know that it's their brother yet. But then eventually, Joseph can't contain himself anymore. And he, he reveals who he is. Genesis chapter 45, verses 4 through 8. Can you imagine the moment when Joseph, I mean, after all that they had put him through, But this is what Joseph says. I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset. Don't be angry with yourselves for selling me into this place. He says, for it was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your life. Joseph is living out yet another one of Jesus' beatitudes. Jesus said, God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And Joseph, instead of taking revenge, (laughs) instead of making them starve to death or banishing them from his presence, Joseph invites them in. And Joseph shows them the greatest of mercy. In fact, the Bible says he invites them to his table and he feeds them his food and he invites them and his whole family to come and to live with him in Egypt and for him to be able to provide for them and take care of them. says, God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors because when you live the good life, it's not just good for you. It's good for everybody. And Joseph ends by saying, go tell my father of my honored position here in Egypt and describe for him everything that you've seen and then bring my father here quickly. And then it says in verse 14, weeping with joy. <laughs> weeping with joy, Joseph embraced his youngest brother, Benjamin, and Benjamin did the same. And then Joseph kissed each of his brothers, and he wept over them, and he began talking freely with them. What a story. What a journey. How many times did Joseph face situations where he thought to himself, are you kidding me? This is the good life. And yet, God was God was working out His plan and His purpose. Unbelievable. See, the good life doesn't always feel good. But what if the good life is realizing that God is with you even when life doesn't feel so good? A couple weeks ago, I got a text message from a young guy that attends our, our church. A young guy, they just had their first child. Life was good. He was at a doctor's appointment and uh, he mentioned to the doctor that he had this little bump on his chin. And the doctor said, oh, let, me t- let me take a look at it. And the doctor looked at it and he said, I think we might want to get that looked at. Let's get some x rays, let's get some scans. And they did. And within a week, this young guy, this young dad's life is starting to fall apart. They're talking cancer, tumor. Life did not feel so good. And he called me. He said, well, I, I'm just nervous. I'm anxious. He, t- he told me about when he was a, a teenager, he went through severe anxiety, And he was worried that it was going to come back and that his life was just going to start spiraling out of control again. Filled with fear. And yet he was holding on to God's truth. And as we we talked, one of the truths is found in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. He said, I'm just holding, holding on to this. He says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for all that He has done. And here's God's promise. And then you will experience God's peace. That's what my friend needed. God, I need your peace. I need to know you're here with me. He went into surgery only a week later. And I texted him. And this was the text that I got back. He said, the peace that transcends all human understanding, he said, it's so real. Not just because the Bible says so, but because, he said, I've experienced it. He said, I was able to remain so calm before the surgery, and because of my calmness, I shared my faith with each nurse helping me. Thank you so much for the prayers again. This was after he knew the outcome. Did he have cancer? Didn't he have cancer? But in that moment, all he knew was God's peace is real and he's with me. See, sometimes the good life doesn't feel so good. But maybe, maybe really the good life is realizing that God's with you even when life doesn't feel so good. I'm I'm encouraged to be able to share with you he found out that the tumor is not cancerous. He's back at home. He's with his wife and his new little baby. But even, you guys, even if that wasn't the end of his story, God's presence is all we need may that peace be for you that are going through a season where life doesn't feel so good would you pray with me God thank you for Joseph's story and by it through it may it build our faith and trust in you a God that never leaves us a God that will be with us, a God that will be good even when life doesn't feel good. Give us faith to trust you and help us to be an encouragement and a light to others that may be struggling this week. We put our hope in you again today, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray, amen. God bless you guys as you go. Our team will come and dismiss you row by row.